Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. First off, we would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening and welcome to Thorny Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tonight, uh, we have a guest who, the last time we had him on, uh, there were some technical difficulties on my end and we have difficulty uh, hearing me. Hopefully, uh, that's not happening this time. But that's not the only reason we're having him back. We're having him back because we love this guy. He's fantastic. He's right up our alley. <laughs> and we want him to come back as much as possible. Uh, I wish you'd talk to my cat. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't appreciate He's got a great radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does. He does his own show. All right. Our guest yeah. is D.P. Lyle, M.D. He is the McCavity and Benjamin Franklin Silver Award-winning and Edgar Agatha Anthony Scribe Silver Falchion and Best Book Award-nominated author of many nonfiction books, as well as numerous works of fiction, including the Samantha Cody, Doug Walker, and Jake Longley thriller series and the Royal Pains Media Tie-In movies. His essay on Jules Verne's The Mysterious uh, Island appears in Thrillers, 100 Must Reads, and his short story, Even Stephen, in ITW's anthology Thriller 3, Love is Murder. He has worked with many novelists and with the writers of popular television shows such as Law and Order, CSI Miami, Diagnosis Murder, Monk, Judging Amy, Peacemakers, Cold Case, House, Medium, Women's Murder Club, 1-800-MISSING, The Glades, and Pretty Little Liars. Uh, he is also the co-host, along with Jan Burke, of Crime and Science Radio, a twice-monthly program on suspense radio. Uh, his latest book, uh, Deep Six, is fantastic. And uh, we are going to talk to D.P. Lyle about all things forensics, uh, writing, whatever, wherever the direction the, the conversation seems to go. So, without further ado, please welcome GP Lyle. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Glad to be back. Had fun. Yeah, we're glad to have you. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we did. Hi. All right. Oh. So, I guess the first thing is, why don't we talk a little bit about Deep Six? Um, tell us uh, what it's about and where people can get it. Well, you can get it everywhere, uh, and if you go to my website, uh, com, you can read all about it. And uh, it, um, it, I just learned a few weeks ago it was uh, one of the best books from Suspense Magazine for the year in the thriller category mm-hmm. and in the uh, nice. USA Today Best Books uh, thriller category. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that, but uh, mainly it's a fun story. It's, it's a comedic thriller. Uh, nice. So it's funny. There's a lot of stupid slapstick stuff in it, uh, which I like, <laughs> because I always read um, Carl Hyacin and, and and Tim Mullaney, you know, and, and they write that type of. Uh, it it is kind of a gritty thriller, crime novel, crime fiction, but it also has that humor element, and I always wanted to do that, and um, it, it came natural for me. I just had so much fun writing it, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a kick. Nice, nice. 
the only way to write. Have fun. Exactly. It, is. it, is. it ain't and fun. Don't busy. do it. Yep. And you're, you're yeah. a busy guy. We were talking. We were talking a little bit before the show, and you're you know got a new one coming out. You've already started on the next one. Do you have a? You also do a radio show, and you also do a lot of uh, forensics, you know, work and stuff like that. Do you? What is your schedule like? Uh, I refuse to have one. Um, you know, I st- I, I'm a cardiologist, and I still practice cardiology, but but I only go to the office a couple of days a week now. Uh, but the rest of the time, you know, I do what I want. But I refuse to have a you know one of those where you start writing at seven in the morning and write till noon. Even though often I do that, but I don't have a schedule. Uh, I write when I feel like it, and when I don't feel like it, I don't. Um, if I want to go play golf, I go play golf. If I want to write, I sit and write. Um, and sometimes one will take precedent over the other. There's only right. the mood is and what you want to do. But, uh, you know, I, my whole life's been scheduled my whole life, you know, and it's usually been other people's schedule, and that's the nature of practicing cardiology. You're on call. You're ready to go. Uh, you can be having a relaxing time at home, and the next thing you know, you're in a horrendous mess trying to trying to sort out a problem for somebody. But uh, I, So with writing, I, it's fun, and, and I refuse to make it a job. Right. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't want another job. I got a job. I don't want another job. So I make right. it fun. <laughs> Unfortunately, I enjoy doing it, so I spend a lot of hours doing it. But still, I, re- I refuse to have a schedule. Let's put it that way. Right. Right. That makes sense. You know. Yeah. And that probably yeah, makes you keep more productive, actually. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like such a great idea. Uh-huh. Um, I also wanted to ask you about your uh, crime and science radio. Um, wh- what is this, and what 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 kind of stuff do you do there, and and where can uh, people go to hear it? Yeah, well, again, if everybody goes to my website, you you can click on Crime and Science Radio, and you'll see what's coming, uh, and then you can also see all the archived shows. We've been doing it over three years now, uh, and each of the shows, if you click on the link, it opens a page that has photos and has links for further study. But it also has a, a, a link you can click and actually listen to it right there on your on your computer. They're all podcasts. They're available through Suspense Magazine. They're available through iTunes. They're all free. I mean, you know, we don't charge money for these. Yeah. But Jan right. Burke and I uh, have been <laughs> have been uh, friends like forever. You know, ever since we first met, Jan and I just had this instant chemistry with each other, and we do because we're both irreverent and. And, uh-huh. and salty and, and Jan's obnoxious. I'm sorry she is, but uh, but but the, but the point is is that we just became great friends instantly. And for years we talked about doing a radio show. And uh, oh, a little over three years ago we sat down, had lunch, and said, you know, if we, are we going to do this? And we decided, yeah. yeah. So the gist of Crime and Science Radio is that we interview people who are professionals in the law enforcement uh, or, or forensic science world. Uh, and we spend, we have an hour show, let's like this, we do, you know, we record it right over the radio and right over the t- mm-hmm. the, uh, the phone. Uh, and, and we talk to people who are professionals in those arenas so that people who are interested in that can listen in. And obviously many, because of our connections in the writing world and our, our, our careers, Many of the people who, who listen to our show are crime writers, and it's to kind of help them understand how crime fiction works, how crime science works, 
so they can take it into their fiction and make it real. But, I mean, we've had yeah. some wonderful, wonderful guests on the show over the years, and it's just great. It's uh, We learn so much. Right, right. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's that's good for all writers. I mean, anybody who the things we. I remember the first time I walked out to a doctor I knew and said, "Could you answer a question for me? How long could someone live if all the skin has been flayed from their back?" He looked at me like I was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> I really yep. did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, your radio show and your blog and everything, um, your books, are just treasure troves for writers. Well, thank you. That's what they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. That's what I hope. Yeah. And well, yeah, we've, we've, fun. We've, yeah. Referenced, yeah, we've referenced it many times because, we, you know, I mean, if you're going to write any kind of even, you know, we don't do like, you know, necessarily crime thrillers, but, you know. You, you. We have crime. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's to write about if not crime, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. so, so, yeah. So all the, you know, if there's any, uh, if there are any listeners right now who are, you know, into, uh, you know, writing and you need, want a good uh, place for, you know, a good resource for, you know, uh, information, check it out. It's, it's good stuff. And I wanted to ask you too. Uh, you said you, you and Jan have just, you know, like this great synergy and. We, Tamara and I, know know yeah. how rare that is and how you know yeah. lucky you know how lucky we are to have that. I'm curious, have you ever have you ever written together, or would you consider writing together? No, but we've 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 actually talked about it. You know, um, uh, I'm not sure what we would do to the truth, but but I mean, I do have some ideas or some things we would do, and we have talked about it. But but there is no existing project. But I would love to. Oh. I, you know, I love Jan's writing anyway. If anybody who doesn't yeah. read her fiction should, you know, she won an Edgar oh. and a bunch of other awards, and she's a great writer and a great storyteller. Um, so. Um, yeah, I would love to write with her. And I think probably someday we will when we're older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're too tired it, to it, golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It, it's amazing uh, that you can have such a good collaboration. Uh, we spend all day long together all the time. Even on vacation, we spend a couple hours a day together. Can't yeah. get yeah. enough, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's so, it's, it's so rare because I mean you you start spending a lot of time. With, I don't know if you're anything like me. I don't know. I'm I'm more of an introverted type of person, and there's not many people that I can spend a whole lot of time no. with before you know. I just it's just that's enough. And yeah. uh, it's it's when you find somebody like that, it's great, and especially if you can be you know uh, creative and productive with that person, it's amazing. You know, so congratulations on that. That's that's really rare yeah. because you know, we've we've talked to a lot of people, and a lot of times collaborations just do not work of any kind. No. You know? <laughs> Collaboration yeah. with my cat right now is not working. I'll get out of guys. All about that. But but, but you're, what you're saying is absolutely true, and and. And the thing about Jan is is that she's not only funny and witty and sarcastic and irreverent mm-hmm. and all the things that that I am too, and she's also yeah. very very smart. Uh, she really knows what she's talking about, and that that really is the icing on the cake. You know, there's a lot of people you can have fun yeah. with, but how many people you you really respect their knowledge and their thought mm-hmm. processes? And she's just right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she just is what she is, and uh, she's funny as That's hell right. and very smart. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, now you you've mentioned you're salty and all that. We tend to get turned into a pair of ten year old boys. 
when we're yeah. having fun. Is, are, are you a little more? Um, are oh, yeah. you a little beyond that, or? Oh, oh pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's <laughs> but, but, but I have an excuse. That's the thing about guys. I mean, you have to understand <laughs> guys only reach maturity uh, to the sophomore level in high school, and that's it. That's we don't know right. beyond that. No. We don't. We don't know <laughs> what's beyond that. We don't have a clue what's no. beyond that. We're we're Probably fourteen. Not. We're okay. sophomores yeah. in high school. Once we get there, we're there for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I I do understand that because yeah. I, I never like I never met a female I actually liked until I met other professional writers and those ladies, women were just fine. But boy, give me the guys because I'm going to say something really inappropriate. <laughs> Alistair knows that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, last that's time so we had fun. you on, last time we had you on, we talked a lot about uh, forensic stuff, and um, I, I'd, I'd like to go through some of it again because, like I said, the last the last show, mm-hmm. I was having technical difficulties, and I think people couldn't even understand my questions. Yeah. So, well, it's a big world, and we got a lot of stuff we can cover. So we whatever do. you want. To oh, oh, yes. Before we do, though, we we talked a little bit about Deep Six. Can you tell us about your next one in the series? Oh yes. Oh well, well. Uh, Deep Six is the Jake Longley thrill, the thriller, and Jake is uh, an ex-professional baseball player who gets drugged into the private investigating world by his father Ray, who is very serious and very ex-military and very buzz cut and very. Mm. You know, will step on your neck, That's and, killed, and, yeah. and Jake doesn't give a do why diddy about that. Um, <laughs> Jake Jake runs a bar and chases blondes and bikinis. You know, that's pretty much what he does for life, and and he, that's a uh, that's a point of contention between Ray and Jake. But then he hooks up with Nicole, who is uh, trying to write a screenplay and etc. Well, people who read the first book know that that Nicole lives in a very high dollar. Uh, home on the point down in Gulf Shores area of Alabama on the Gulf Coast. Uh, but she's staying in her uncle's house, who is Charles Balfour, who is an A-list um, uh, Academy Award-winning uh, uh, producer, director, et cetera, et cetera. And um, in this novel, the opening is that Uncle Charles calls her from Paris where he's shooting a movie and tells her to get her butt over to New Orleans to find out what's going on, which is where his his one of his prize franchises called the Space Quest series has the hero Kirk Ford, who has awakened in a bed at the Monteleone Hotel with a dead girl. Ooh. Uh-oh. And that's what starts the story. <laughs> and, of course, it turns out the dead girl happens to be the daughter of Tony Guidry, who is a Dixie mafioso type. So, as you say, complications ensue. So Jake and Nicole tear, tear ass over to New Orleans to try to find out what's going on. And, of course, everything goes crazy. And um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and that one is titled A-List. That's the follow-up. And uh, I sent it off to my publisher three days ago. So Nice. So wow. when do you, I have some questions for you about your, your writing process before we get into the forensic stuff. Your your characters are very vivid and really, uh, I don't know, lifelike, I, I guess. And but you you write these 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 crime thrillers and kind of mystery stuff. And so I'm curious because that's got to take a lot of plotting, right? Like like you know serious you know intricate plots. 
So I'm curious because you're, you're because your characters are so alive. Um, I can't tell if you are more of a plot writer or a character writer. What I mean by that is, do you do you sit and do like a really um, intricate plot and make sure that your your characters adhere to that plot, or do you do more of a loose idea and you just kind of let the characters kind of go through their motions and tell the story. Well, I mean, it's interesting. And, and uh, there are they, you know, they call them plotters and pansters as to, as to what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously nonfiction you take out of the equation because you need to, you need to plot, so to speak, you need to outline right. that you need to have it organized. Uh, with fiction, I always approached it the same way, uh, being a scientist at heart, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that doctors and, and attorneys and people have trouble writing fiction, because they they like things clean and straight lines and all of that. And fiction is messy. And I know mm-hmm. it sure took me many, many, many years to learn that, you know, get the hell out of the way and tell the story. Um, right. But I would do I, I've tried big outlines where I'd write a paragraph or so about every chapter but I'd find that I'd get about two-thirds of the way through that and get bored with it and say, you know, okay, I understand where the story's going. Let's just start writing. And when I started mm-hmm. writing, I'd find out I'd get halfway through the book, up to about fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 words, and realize I'd never gone back and looked at the outline. And then I'd go back and find out, well, I really hadn't followed all that closely. And mm-hmm. um, so when with Deep Six, I mean, it was the first book that I literally wrote with no outline. I had this wow. idea for two or three or four or five or six scenes, and I just mm-hmm. started with an opening scene and started writing. And I said, let's just see what happens. And it <laughs> flew. It basically wrote itself. Right, uh, I would right. have to go back and move things around and change things and all that. And, you know, that would be kind of, you know, oh, if I'd have outlined this, I wouldn't. But then I thought, no, I probably wouldn't have gotten here if I'd have outlined it. So just shut up and go yeah. and get to work, you know, quit yeah. whining. Um, yeah. And, and it worked. And I did uh, A-List the same way. Uh, the other book I'm working on now, which is a whole new series, and it's interesting. I only started it like a month ago, and I'm 20,000 words into it nice. because wow. I'm not outlawing. I, I get right. out of the way, and I just tell the story. You can always right. fix things. You can always yeah. exactly exactly. Yeah. It's not like it has to go. It's but not I'm like not plot driven. I'm not character driven. I, I either yeah. have a plot and I create a character to go with it, or I have a character and I create a plot to go with it. I mean, yeah. do you do you like to know? The one thing I want to know is some kind of ending. It doesn't have to be the ending I use, but I want to know where I'm going, and that's all. It's do you do you do that, or do you totally pants it? Yeah, I uh, uh, um. Yeah, for the most part, that's true. Um, I, I do know how it's going to end, but in, in interesting in, in a list, uh, I didn't. I, you know, you just know the good guys are going to win, the bad guys are going to lose. Yeah. But I did not have a, a real vision or a picture or anything of what the final scene sequence was going to be at all. I just knew that I had about a quarter of the book in my mind is some things that were going to happen, but that all changed mm-hmm. and I created characters and it just kept rolling. And at the end of the day, it came to the final scene sequence like, yeah, okay, this is what's got to happen. So yeah. that book, yeah. the first book I've written that I didn't really know how it was going to end. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. it's interesting because it's interesting because it it you know when I first started writing, I it never occurred to me to not plot. I thought it was something that I had to do. And this is exactly. years ago. Before yeah, this is something. Those publishers will make you before. do it too. Yeah. Yeah, years ago before I ever published, and so I would spend all this time, you know, creating these intricate, you know, plots, and they were good. But then every time I would sit down to write, that's not the way it would go. And I eventually no. said to myself, you know, because I do the same thing, I get a series of scenes, and maybe a couple yeah. characters, and then I try to figure out a basic storyline, a basic ending, and then I just go. I that's the only way I know how to yeah. do it. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't do me good to waste time you know, plotting or outlining because it never no. goes that way anyway. <laughs> exactly. My, my one thing I find is I'm, I'm enjoying the writing more. Yes. Yeah, yeah, when I don't editor, have an outline, I'm enjoying the writing more, which is a, a revelation for me as, as, as someone who spent the whole life having to structure yeah. things. Uh, and I, I love that uh, because it's free. It's kind of like, okay, so you write yourself in a corner. So what? Yep. There, yep. there are only words. Yeah. There's a lot more in there. Just, just just delete or you know cut and paste somewhere yeah. else yep. and start in, in going another direction. It's no big well, deal. Nobody's gonna die. Exactly. <laughs> and the best thing is, is when you write yourself into a corner, you know, then that's when you have to start getting sometimes really, really, really creative and finding yeah. a way out of that corner. <laughs> and what that ends up becoming is some big plot twist that everybody loves. You know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, it does quite often. Yeah. Yeah, people say, oh, I didn't see it coming. And it's like, well, yeah, because I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. Exactly. <laughs> That's way. Do your characters ever take over and, and send you, you know, tell you what to do and it's different from what you want to do? Oh, sometimes, sure. And especially yeah. um, minor characters. You know, you, yeah, yeah. You, you need a character that, that you, you kind of had an idea for a character. You kind of knew this character was going to exist, but you didn't really know this character. And then you start yeah. developing the character and write three or four scenes. And the next thing you know, wow, this guy's a lot different yeah. than I thought he was going to be. And guess yeah. what? I, yeah. This opens like nine more doors right? You know, of directions to go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I don't think that, I've ever or funny. we've ever – yeah, I don't think alone or together we've ever done – a story that didn't have a minor character just suddenly come to life and do all kinds yeah. of things. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and that's, see, that's, that's where the joy comes in because seriously, if you had to live off of an outline, you really would yeah. just yeah. be kind of going through the motions. I, I love the surprise. I love the finding out, you know, the story myself as I go along. And I think that, it, that, that appeals to uh, readers too on a, on a certain level, you know, Right. Because I think we've all read, I think we've all read those books that are really, really, really crafted, really, really formulaic, really um, uh, heavily outlined, and it, it's like, okay, so here we go. So this just happened. So now we know this is just now this is going to happen, and then after that, yeah. this is going to happen. I think the yeah. best example I can think of is um, movies, actually, but like basic, you know, the, the really typical romantic comedy. You know, mm-hmm. the boy and the girl yeah. meet. They're exactly. somehow thrust. They're somehow thrust together. They don't want to be together. They hate each other. But then they start to fall in love. Then there's a threat, and they almost break up. But then they get back together at the end. And you can watch these movies, and it's the same story over and over and over and over. over. And then over. once in a while, exactly. <laughs> but but I like it when they surprise you. You know, and it's like you don't. You know, yeah. And it's the same with books. You can get too formulaic, and God, it gets old. It just gets old. <laughs> And it's the minor characters mm-hmm. that add the spice. 
Yes, and, I agree. And, and, and the classic example to me is if you ever watched the sitcom uh, series uh, Taxi, it's a, sure. it was a Louis De Palma story. I mean, it was Danny DeVito. He was uh-huh. the main character. He and Alex, you know, that yeah. was uh, – they were the main characters. Judd Hirsch, yeah. Uh, Judd uh-huh. Hirsch. But the other characters – you know, Jim Ignatowski, you know, Jim, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. uh, Andy yeah. Kaufman's character, Latka Gravis. And, uh, I mean, those were the characters that made the show work. Right. Yeah. They were they were the not the major characters. They were the minor characters, so to speak, mm-hmm. in the ensemble. Yeah. But they were the ones that added the salsa. Yes, you know? right. and minor yeah, characters yeah. can do a lot more than Absolutely. major ones. They can get away with yep. more. And you fall in love yeah. with them. The problem is don't let them take over the story, but let them enhance and let them be, you know, the Maharachi band playing in the background, you know. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And, you know, occasionally, That's a great way to say it. occasionally what's happened, you know, to, to, to both of us separately and uh, collaboratively, we come across a character, a minor character, who just – feels like you just really get attached you they feel like they have this story and it doesn't fit and so it's great to be able to to take them and then give them their own book that's i've right. done yeah. that more than once you know and it's, we have. Yeah. We have. now uh before we uh move on i need to take a moment um just to remind the listeners that uh this is thorning cross haunted nights live we're your hosts alistair cross and tamra thorn we are here with author radio show host uh, cardiologist, forensics expert, and DP Lyle, <laughs> very busy man. Uh, you can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and timberthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thorningcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handle is at thorncross. Be sure to visit us on Facebook and give our Haunted Nights Live page a like. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And uh, just a reminder to the listeners, our uh, gothic horror novel, The Ghost of Ravencrest, is on sale in ebook for 99 cents, now through the 8th at Amazon. So go check it out. Uh, again, we are here with D.P. Lyle. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is you've done a lot of work on these um, great shows, you know, Law & Order, uh, 1-800-MISSING, Pretty Little Liars. Uh, how, how involved, yeah, Monk, exactly. Uh, yeah, how involved do you get in this? And do you, like, how did this come to be? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was uh, totally serendipitous. Um, uh, through my writing, and, and again, it, at, uh, at when I started going to writer's conference and people found out I was a physician, you know, as as a physician, if you go to a cocktail party, you know, especially here in Orange County, people want to talk about you know their their gallbladder and their cholesterol level and you know, right. And it's always <laughs> I want to talk about my uncle when it's really them, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and every doctor goes through that. But I started going to yeah. writers' conferences because of, of my writing, and people find out you're a physician and they want to know about gunshot wounds and poisons and autopsies and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and, and and then Jan Burke actually was the the uh, president of uh, the Southern California chapter of Mystery Writers of America at the time, and she asked me to write some articles, and we started this whole question and answer thing for the for the newsletter, and so people started asking me questions, 
And then I guess the next step was Lee Goldberg, uh, who at the time was doing diagnosis murder and monk and all that. And Lee started asking me questions about his screenplays and, and, and his novels and stuff. And so from that, I've met other screenwriters, and they started asking me questions. But I only work with the writers of these stories. Um, in fact, I'm working on a new series right now with a group. Uh, I can't talk about it, but it's another series that they're trying to put together to pitch to get to get produced. Um, but but I work with the writers. You know, I don't yeah. go on set, and I don't do all that stuff. Uh, that To me, that's boring, boring, boring. I'd rather have a root canal. But right. um, but to working with writers because they are – screenwriters are amazing people. Uh, they really have to tell a story with an extreme economy of space uh, and yeah. words. And, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, so their stories have to be tight. And I've learned a lot working with these guys. But they'll call say, i got this story idea, and I need to know, will this work? Does this make sense? If not, how does this work? What can I do to make this work? Or – or I need to know more about this topic because I've got this idea for this plot. And, you know, and we'll say, okay, this is how this works. This is what it does, yada, 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 and your idea is stupid. But if you change this, it'll work. Or your idea is brilliant. Wow, I wish I'd have thought of it. Uh, right. And everywhere in between. And everywhere in between. <laughs> so um, uh, I work with the writers, and it's basically storytelling but they need they need to know what I know about science, forensic science, medical science, whatever. That's great, and right. I love that stuff. Right. So you probably, yeah. as, as as a doctor and in, in, in forensics, you probably don't get to go many places without people asking you a lot of annoying questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, I, I don't find them annoying. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I go to conferences, you know, and obviously Thriller Fest is the one that I'm involved in intimately because I run Craft Fest and Master Craft Fest and Thriller School and all that stuff. But I, Left Coast Crime, BalsherCon, all the other uh, book passage, all the other major conferences that I, I go to, people stop me all the time and say, I have a, I ask a question about a story. I, I'd love, I love that. I'd yeah. much rather stand and talk to a writer about story, yeah. you know, than the than to talk about you know what you had for dinner last night. You know, well, I my mean, gallbladder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, because because I'm going to tell you, I have I've always had a love for books. I've always had a love for storytelling. You grow up in the South, you all you love stories, but uh, I love the create. I love that that creative mind. And and when these people ask questions, sure, some of them are stupid. And some of them are brilliant, and everywhere in between. But they're all part of story, and storytelling is so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see. So, yeah, and, and, and it just is. So you know, the next time, the next time we have you on, we're going to talk about my gallbladder. We have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an hour yeah. long. <laughs> this disease, take it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I, I I get to talk about my. Um, Elbow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hopefully her, nothing her, goes wrong with it, but I'll make up something. Yeah. Her elbow. Her elbow and my gallbladder. We're gonna have uh, a yeah. special show. Yes. Covered. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't really care about that stuff. But what no. we do, what we do like, and I, I want to apologize to you and also to the listeners if they did listen to the first show that we had, and and I want to apologize first if we cover some of the material that we talked about last time. Um, because, like I said, technical difficulties. So 
bear with us. What we do like is this this forensic stuff. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the particular things that we like is uh, writer mistakes. Um, as yeah. a matter of fact, yeah. we were watching. Uh, I was watching uh, television just a few nights ago, and I saw it was I think The Walking Dead, and of course somebody got punched in the head, <laughs> and they they threw them in the back of the car and dragged them clear to the. And I remember from the first show we had with you, you said, you know, that doesn't really happen. If you hit somebody hard enough that they're out for more than a few seconds, something's wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so the reality is, as I'm taking it, is if you, if you hit somebody and you knock them out, that's, that's a few seconds, yeah. right? They, they come uh, or to. A few minutes, but it's certainly not. A few hours. I mean, something bad happened yeah. because right. the brain doesn't work that way. What you're talking right. about is a blow to the head that makes someone unconscious, um, and that's called a concussion. And, okay. But these people always wake up uh, 20 seconds later, two minutes later, at the most four or five minutes later. I mean, you just don't uh-huh. see concussions taking people out for longer than that. If right. that's the case, something worse has happened inside the head. <laughs> it doesn't mean right. it's going to kill them, and it doesn't mean right. they have to have a neurosurgeon come rip their head open, but it means right. something something else has happened, and it's a little right. more serious than just getting your bell rung, you know, right. which is what a concussion ah. is. Uh, now, they may be groggy and confused and disoriented for some time after a concussion, even hours, uh, but they're not going to be unconscious unless something really bad went wrong. And, right. uh, but we see it all the time. You yeah, know, a guy yeah. gets slugged and he gets put yeah. in the trunk of a car and three hours later he's four cities away and they splash water on him and wake him up and he's perfectly normal. No, right. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> if he wakes up four hours later, he's not going to be normal. Right. There's going to be some <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I know zombies don't exist. Well, we all know that. But Alistair said Walking Dead. Something on that show and other ones really bothers me. Because pretend it's a live human instead of a zombie. They're all the time just crushing their skulls. It's not that easy, is it, to, to you know, just. Depends on what your instrument is, but uh, but <laughs> yeah. no, it, it's not that easy. I mean, it, to to really crush somebody's skull takes a lot of force, but uh, you know, to crack somebody's skull, you can do that with a baseball bat or a fall, but yeah. that's not external. You know, that's internal. This right. is more cracking yeah. as you'll see on X-ray. But to, I mean, to crush somebody's skull really takes some force. It's uh, uh, an adult for sure. Uh, it um, yeah, it can be done, but it. You know, this is what's the stuff that happens in automobile accidents and motorcycle accidents without helmets and stuff. But it doesn't right. happen with someone hitting somebody in the head, you know, with a, um, you know, a pillow. It's not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Well, what about what yeah. about driving? What about driving a knife? Because that's what I see a lot on, you know, like driving a knife into someone's skull. I would imagine. Yeah. That would not be that easy to do. Uh, and no, it, it's really not because the skull is fairly thick, and and you better. You better be strong, and you better have a a, a tough knife. Uh, it it you know, better be something that has some stuff substance to it. Uh, can it be done? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's like shrapnel, or it's like a bullet, right. but it's got to have enough force. And remember, bullets 
depending on the, the, the weapon and the type of bullet and everything, they come at you at multi-thousands feet per second. Shrapnel right. does the same thing from an explosion. Uh, try to move a knife that fast. You know, your arm and hand doesn't move that fast. The knife itself right. could do it, but it doesn't have enough force to do it. Uh, so that's why knife injuries are usually soft tissue injuries or ah. organ injuries or, you know, belly uh, chest, that kind of, and, you know, even you stab somebody in the chest, if you hit a rib, it may not go very deep. It may bounce off. You may hurt your hand. You may cut yourself, which yeah. happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be so with these fish? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I never see that on TV. Oh, a lot of criminals <laughs> have stabbed people left their own blood behind because they cut themselves. Right. You know, the hand right. slides right down the knife. Uh, right. Especially yeah, if it gets imagine. bloody and it's multiple stab wounds. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But yeah, on 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 TV, it's always just a nice clean stab right to the chest or the head, and I'm always like, and they I, die I instantly, them. which you know yeah. that doesn't happen. You know, exactly. You yeah, got to bleed other, to death with a knife wound for goodness sake. Yep. That takes time. Yep, and that's, at least that's most the other, of the time. That's the other <laughs> issue: the quick, the quick death that apparently rarely happens. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. People always make it to the ER and cuss out the doctors and the nurses because they were drunk in the first place and <laughs> somewhere where they shouldn't be. And that's why they got shot and stabbed in the first place. You know, it's uh, and you cannot kill a drunk. It's, that's a that's a medical truism. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you can hit a trunk with a, you can hit a drunk with a SUV and they'll they won't die. The family will, die? but the, 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 the normal yeah. family will, but the drunk will not die. See, and I've I've heard yeah. that. Like I've heard of a lot of I've heard of a lot of cases like with say drunk drivers, and yeah. they yeah. somehow survive, but they have killed people. Is there a reason for that? I mean, it, nah, it not seems... that I know of. It's just you know, it's it's Mother Nature, you know, being funny with you. Yeah, uh, that's. I, but I've heard that so yeah. much. That I've heard that so much that I can't help thinking. There, I wonder if there is some truth to that. Like maybe you're more relaxation. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those things that every physician who's ever spent any time in the emergency room knows you can't kill a drunk. And uh, <laughs> you know, and they they argue that that all the thing about the full moon that oh that's bogus that's not real it's real. You yeah. Know, you, you, how, how? you ask any cop, you ask any physician or nurse, it's, and they'll tell you the full moon is insanity. I don't know okay, why. So. I don't know the physiologic reason for it. Maybe it's got to do with shifting water in the brain. But people do crazy stuff around full moons, and especially well, the, if it's on other... a weekend. Yeah. Uh, okay. Every other the other weekend. thing of the full moon, you can see better outside. I mean, it doesn't matter so much in the city, but maybe that's um, it. I don't I know. Thought, but well, that wouldn't explain the craziness, though. No. No. But, I, yeah, think, I think it's, I think it has to do with werewolves. Well, have you ever been? I know, right? But seriously, have you ever been? Have you ever been like driving? Right, you're driving, and you're like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, what is it? A full moon? And it is. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Everybody's just nuts. Our, 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 yeah. our cat, our cat is the Bean. That's his name, the Bean. And whenever uh-huh. there's a full moon, we call it Moonbeam because he goes insane. And he's darting around and running around. He's 15 years old. When he starts getting crazy, he says, it must be a full moon. You go look outside and it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've <laughs> got to pay attention to that with our guys. Yeah. I know. But yeah. it's, it's, true. It, 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 it's true. And I've known people who worked at uh, nursing homes, and they've said yeah. that. No more yeah. than one. They're like, no, wow. people can say what they want about the full moon being bogus. It is not bogus. People just get really upset. It's just 
tension. It's just. Yep. I don't know what it is, but it, it's yeah. true. Yeah. The title pull yeah. sounds logical. It's not the, yeah. the yeah. you know, increased light. Yeah, because you exactly. don't really appreciate it in the city. Last time we had you on, I, I was curious about a, a couple of things. One of them was <laughs> the likelihood of someone getting killed with a pillow. You know, which yeah. you explained, and and that's and it makes sense to me that basically, yeah, if it's like a really old, frail person, or maybe an infant sure. or something like that, but for or an unconscious person, even. or but, a child, but, a baby, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But for the most part, if you are going to try to smother someone with a pillow, they are probably going to put some damage on you. As <laughs> yeah, they're gonna fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So I liked hearing that because that is the one thing that I see on TV or read in books. So I'm like, oh, come on. And I, you know? I give up so fast. Yeah, yeah. they sneak in and do it, and, and, and they walk away unscathed. But the point is, if you're smothering someone, they're going to scratch your arms. They're going to scratch your face. They're going to hit you. They're going to kick you. They're going to do everything they can because, well, it's a matter of life or death. So the yeah. chances of you getting away unscathed is actually pretty remote. Because people are going right. to do what they have to do to survive. You know, their, their fingernails will be broken because they'll be embedded in your skin. You know, um, they're going to do everything they can to survive. Unless right. they're yeah. old, young, infirm, sedated, in a coma. You know, that's a different story. But the right. normal person, yeah. I don't care. And they don't have to be strong. You know, a 90-pound person will fight you to the death if sure. you're trying to sure. kill them. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and we talked oh. about, too, we talked about uh, poisons, and I said, and of course I have to do the disclaimer uh, first, I, I'm not planning on killing anyone, I never have. <laughs> well, not before Saturday, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but um, we talked about untraceable poisons, and, and I thought, you know, from what I had learned and what, you know, from my own writing, I'm like, you know, probably one of the best ways to do that and get away with it would be something like Belladonna, I'm guessing, because they don't really test for that and unless there was a reason to test for it it probably wouldn't so um and i think the last time we had you on i i I think the last time we had you on i think that you agreed but i'm curious is there any such thing as an untraceable poison not really i mean there are there are some that are hard to find uh and you have to really look for them and uh but the key in, in poisoning death is to make it look like it's something else. Right. That it was a heart attack or a stroke. Now, that depends now on the circumstance. But if a 24-year-old is found dead, you know, they're going to do a little more extensive toxicolog- toxicological testing than they are if an 84-year-old is found dead in the nursing home. Right. So, uh, yeah. The best way is to, you know, to overdose them with a the medicine they're taking especially an older person, if someone's on digitalis for some cardiac problem, uh, you know, uh, give them extra doses for four or five days and they end up dead. And then when they check it and find the levels very high, they just think they got confused on their medications, which unfortunately happens all the time. Right, Uh, right. But still, you know, best laid plans of mice and men go awry. Uh, You know, that's what crime fiction's about too, man. You know, right. You think you got away with it, but oops, you make one mistake. Exactly. There's always the one mistake. So how would you, as a, 
you know, say you were writing a story where someone was, was getting, uh, someone was poisoning someone and they were going to do that. They were going to, you know, double up on the, on the medication they were already taking. How would you, as a crime writer, have the person administer the extra medication? Because how, I mean, how would you do that? I mean, it's not like you can well, say, obviously oh, it, 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 it depends on who the killer is and who the victim is, but, uh, poisoning is usually done by the person who has access to the victim's food. Okay. That's why women use it a lot. You know, first right. of all, yeah. uh, you know, guys will shoot and stab and use axes and stuff because they're not going to clean up anyway. Uh, and and but women like to clean up, and they're not gonna, they're not going to clean up a mess like that. Plus, that's more violent, confrontational. Uh, yeah. Face to face, it's a more physical assault, and 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 so poisons. It's always been like the the, the method of choice for women, and it's not only because it's it's non confrontational, but because in most societies, women prepare the food. Right. They're the caregivers. Uh, they're the feeders. They're the ones that take care of the family. Uh, you know, you can argue about right, wrong, or indifferent there, but the point is, is that's the way life is. Sorry, yeah. uh, and so yeah. women, if someone, if they want to kill their husband, and he happens to be on 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 a, a cardiac medication, for instance, all she's got to do is for two or three days crumble a little extra of that in his in his uh, soup, you know, and and it's done, you know. And yeah. Yeah. they look at it and say, you know, well, he's screwing up his medicines all the time. I keep telling him that that three's not better than one, but he won't listen to me. You know, I hear this in my office all the time. Well, I figure if one was good, Doc, two would be better. (laughs) I hear it all the time. But but the point is is that uh, people poison themselves by accident, and, of course, poisons work. They work. Yeah. Yeah. So in the in the three or four days, in the three or four days that the person uh, is is receiving the extra medication yeah. and on on their way to death, what what do they? Wouldn't they become increasingly sicker? Yes. Or is it just pretty much it builds up and then it's just done? No, no, and and, and that's 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 true. And remember, every medicine has an effect. Um, a medicine has a desired effect. It changes something in the body. It changes physiologically, but it is a desired effect. When that mm-hmm. effect becomes too much, or other effects start piggybacking on top of it, and you know this is a huge discussion obviously because of a gazillion medicines, then it becomes mm-hmm. a toxic situation where the side effects start becoming a problem. And right. then the next step is the side effects start becoming deadly. And that we would call a poison. So whether it's a medicine or it's a toxic side effect or it's a poison, it all depends on dose, and that varies greatly from person to person and drug to drug, et cetera, et cetera. In the case of digitalis, the individual would probably develop palpitations and shortness of breath and nausea, and their vision might become yellow, have a yellow tinge to it. That's one of the things digitalis does. But, you know, the guy may not recognize that as digitalis poisoning because he's not a scientist. He's just taking medicines yeah. because he's got, you know, atrial fib or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and then by the time that, you know, those symptoms go away, well, he goes away too. Right. You know, and, and, right. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Yep. So now, if you, what I've always wanted to do, 
is I've always wanted to use in a in, in a book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, in a book. In a book. Yeah, in a book. Belladonna on somebody because yeah, it seems it seems to me to be probably the safest way to do it. If a person, how would you give someone belladonna? Oh, there's lots of ways. Uh, it, it comes from the deadly nightshade plant, and there's similar things to belladonna out there that's not particularly belladonna, but they're in the same family, and they'll do the same thing. But, uh, you know, I've always said, you know, rather than go to, you know, the the chemical store, go to the go to your farm, go to your uh, local nursery. There's a lot of deadly stuff you walk through when you go there. Nightshade, right. foxglove, yeah. all the... Uh, um, Oleander, you know, all these things that <laughs> right. kill you dead. They'll kill you dead. So I what you would, got that in my yard. Yeah, well, what, yeah, you, what you do basically is you take the you take the plant, uh, and some plants, you know, the leaves and the seeds and the stems mm-hmm. and the roots, it varies from plant to plant. But basically throw the whole mess in a, in a pot and simmer it for a while and make a tea and remove that stuff and boil it down till it's a nice little syrup. And if you add anywhere from a few drops to a couple of teaspoons of that, wow, you've yeah. done somebody in. You've done somebody in in a hurry. And, of course, well, and the yeah. symptoms of poisons don't leave behind tracks like shot, gunshots and stab wounds. They don't leave behind physical evidence. So if someone dies and they've had a heart problem or diabetes or something like this, they it may easily get written off to that, and they never test for the poison right why would anybody that's, think that's, that right why would anybody yeah. why would anybody go yeah. well did you test for foxglove yeah. or deadly nightshade yeah. or belladonna they're not going until to. your so, sleuth figures out that something's right. not right here and oh by the way look at this you know right exactly it, exactly now, can you use edible nightshade plants like say white potatoes or tomatoes can no, not, not as much because they're edible because they don't have a lot of poison in them. Oh, okay. If they had a lot of poison, they wouldn't be edible. But, but you can concentrate right. anything if you know how to do it. That's what I meant. And, yeah. and yeah. I was wondering, on white potatoes, you're not supposed to eat them if they turn green or peel it off. Does that have anything yeah. to do with the belladonna? Uh, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's another situation. But the, the point is, is that, you know, that's. That's more of a and what they say old wise tale than real fact because you you know unless you'd have to eat like thirty potatoes and and <laughs> you know. oh good because I kind of just peel them a little more yeah, 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 yeah. It's good but for you. you you could concentrate the the leaves or whatever it is on the say tomato plant and make something out of it if you were desperate to yeah it, it again depends on the plant depends on the poison yeah. you're talking about but but the concentration is the key. Mm-hmm. It's the dose that's the key. It's the dose that kills. Everything is a poison if you take enough yeah. of it, including water and oxygen. They will kill you dead if you take too much of them. Um, so it, it's all a matter of dose. Interesting. That's so interesting. I'm thinking about my foxglove plants out in the front yard right now. <laughs> <laughs> what can I do with them besides go, oh, aren't those pretty? You can do lots with them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, nothing you want to do. But yeah, I mean that's that's. I think that if I if I ever if I ever did uh, write uh, about a poisoning, that's that that's what I would do. Yeah. Because you know, yeah, it, it makes the most sense to me. You know, um, another thing that we yeah. like that we're we're interested in. We see this a lot on TV. 
as well is the bleeding corpse. Let's talk about the bleeding corpse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if someone's been shot up and stabbed up and they've they've bled and then they died, there can still be like blood accumulated in you know cavities that if the such things are open or on their clothing or you know at the base of their neck, and this stuff can continue to dribble and you know for a few minutes. But blood clots—that's that's right. what it does. Yeah. Uh, but so, as far as actually active bleeding from a wound, that's not going to happen the minute the heart stops because right. there's no driving force to push blood into that area. And uh, so consequently, bleeding stops very quickly. And blood clots anywhere from, you know, two or three minutes to 10, 12 minutes, depending upon the person's circumstance, et cetera. Um, so it's not going to, the corpse is not going to bleed. Right. What would it look like if you had a corpse that was, say, an hour dead, and yeah. you just took and uh, slid a scalpel along the wrist or the, you know, an artery that normally, what would come out? Anything? Nothing. No. Huh. It, it looked kind of gray and pale, and nothing would come out because, again, there's there's nothing to come out. Right. So you know, it makes it's all settled. It's there. all clotted. It's all nothing. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. the heart's, if the heart's not moving, it can't move anything. Yeah. So yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah this so one, not- I wanted I wanted to ask about this one. I don't even know what this one means. Instant athlete. What is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that, that's one of the things I put in forensics for dummies, you know, the, the 10 things Hollywood yeah. gets wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and it is that, you you know, you've got your sleuth that uh, happens to bake cookies, you know, and, and she <laughs> solves this crime. But at the end, she's chased by the bad guy through through the woods and he she manages to run three miles and get away. She ain't going to be able to run three miles. Right. No. It's just that's not going to happen. People think three miles is nothing. I'm going to tell you, if you're not a runner and you're not a walker and you're not in good shape, go out and try to run three miles. You're going to get right. about 50 yards and say, somebody kill yeah. me now. Right. You know? and, and by the time you get 150 yards, you're going to be sweating and gasping for breath. And by the time you get 300 yards, you're going to be on your knees trying to get trying to get a gasp of breath. Three miles yeah. isn't going to happen. If the great right. thing was, if you remember the movie The Marathon Man. Okay. Uh-huh. Babe, uh, the Dustin Hoffman character, was chased all over the city by these guys. But mm-hmm. he stayed ahead of them. Why? Because in the very beginning of the movie, he ran around the uh, reservoir there in Central Park. And he was yeah. always trying to beat this other guy. He was always trying to beat his time. In other words... Babe was a serious runner. He yeah. could do it. He right, could run. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but your your cookie baking sleuth is not going to be able to do it. <laughs> not going to no. happen. So don't make them an instant athlete. Make them. <laughs> it's the fact that they're not in shape and not in condition that gets them in trouble. But it's their brain mm-hmm. and some other skill, because someone who is a baker understands about ovens they understand about utensils they understand about a little chemistry they understand about things those are the things that's going to save them at the end of the day they're going to kill them with butter you know whatever right yeah (laughs) (laughs) or a butter knife (laughs) if you eat enough butter it's toxic right (laughs) right oh 
always has no. been. <laughs> uh, so what would you say? What would you say? What's the one? What's the one thing you see, whether it's in you know Hollywood or in fiction? Uh, what's the one thing that you see that is the most uh, irritating to you that you just wish people would stop doing? Uh, boy, there's a lot of them, but but I think <laughs> I think I think uh, at the end of the day, when you're reading a novel, and I'm I am extremely generous when I'm reading a novel. I put up with a lot of stuff because if I like the characters, I like the story. If they make some mistakes, so what? You know, we all do. Right, right. Yeah. Big deal, yeah. big deal. But when you see something in the plot that was contrived. It doesn't have a basis in what came before. It doesn't have a basis in the character's knowledge or skill set or really even in the situation. And in the, and I see this all the time. Um, it's like they created this scenario and this sequence of events because they wanted to get from this point to this point. But mm-hmm. it defies logic. And right. you stop. And you know yeah. how many times have you done it? You stop and say, oh, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be yeah. in the science arena, in the character arena, in the plotting arena, in, in any of the arenas that we have to keep all these balls to, uh, in the air to tell a mm-hmm. good story. And you can just tell the writer got lazy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and in all honesty, we've all done it. We've all done it. Oh, yeah. And you go back we through can. the rewrite and say, no, 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 no. Why did I do right. that? That makes no sense. It makes right. sense at the time, but you go back from the, the from distance and the base and no, 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 no. Now you yeah. got to go back and make changes right. in five or six chapters mm-hmm. to make it work, exactly. or come up with and a whole different scenario to make it work. But if you got to do it, yeah. Exactly. That's where the yeah. That's where the rewriting comes in, and you go you through and you're like, okay, it. this doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, it is it is pretty bad when you see a finished product that yep. is a huge a huge leap like that. And I there are certain shows that I absolutely just, I liked, but then they start doing that a little too much. And it, I will, mm-hmm. I will actually stop watching them because I actually, yeah, I can understand. I'm generous too. I understand yeah. oversight. Yeah. I understand leaps of logic. I even understand taking certain liberties because it's fiction. And sure. that's what you have to it's do. Fiction. Yeah. It's it's fun. You know, it is fiction, mm-hmm. but. But there are many times that I've stopped and said, why don't you call the cops? Right. Why don't you take your cell phone out and call the cops? <laughs> you cell know? phones are the bane of What's horror. wrong with calling yeah. the cops? They may yeah, not be able to resolve the problem, <laughs> but they you don't have you. to do this. <laughs> yeah. They'll never believe you. No. That's the rule. They'll, they won't believe yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let let that happen. But don't go walking down that alley with your, <laughs> with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Call cops, the cops. Cops, cops yeah. never believe anybody in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> no. Exactly. No. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, wow. it's good times. But it's it's complicated. It's complicated stuff, and we uh, we're just we're just about out of time. But um. Yep. We absolutely love having you on. And, anytime. Um, we do. You know good. that anytime. Good. good, because we would love to have you back as, as just as yes. often as we can, because this is fascinating stuff. And I, cool. again, I apologize that a lot of this is kind of repeat material. You no, know, no, no. So Thanks fun. for having me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we love so it. It's so yeah. fun. 
Um, before, yeah, we'll be in touch for sure, and we'll, we'll get you back. Um, before we let you go, uh, could you remind the listeners one more time uh, what your website is? It's dplylemd.com, D-P-L-Y-L-E-M-D.com. And from there, you can connect to Crime and Science Radio and my blog and my books and all kinds of crazy stuff. So. All right. Yeah, and, that's uh, perfect. Yes, listeners, if you uh, enjoyed what we talked about, be sure and check out Crime and Science Radio because that is like this, like, but it's even fun. better. Yes, it's good stuff. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> it's very good stuff. Yeah, because that's what it's about. Yeah, it's and I, love, I love this. I love this stuff. I'm so glad you like I'm yeah. so glad you like talking about it because we like talking about it too. So. Good. We do. We spend days talking about it sometimes. We do. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, thank you for being on again. We'll be yes, in touch. Thanks. And uh, uh, thank you. Yes, and uh, thank you everybody yes. for listening. And until next mm-hmm. week, we wish you haunted nights and sweet screams. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.